0: Clarifying the cosmos. Let's jump in. Let me read verses 15 to 17 so we can dive into the context of our scripture. Verse 15: Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we've got to clarify the cosmos, because that word right there, do not love the world in Greek, is cosmos. But that's the same word when John three sixteen, for God so loved the cosmos that he died. So we see that God is the creator of the cosmos. You know, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world, the cosmos, and everything in it, Paul proclaimed. And so we got cosmos as in the world God created. We got cosmos as in Jesus Christ died for the world. And then here in 1 John, we are told as Christians to not love the world or the things in the world and so as christians when we study god's word what are the three most important things that we have to pay attention to it's like in real estate the three most important things are location 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 in scripture it's context 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 what is the context of what paul is saying because if you're a new christian and you're over here and Someone comes and says, hey, listen, don't you know you're not supposed to love the world as in the people in the world? You know what? Forget them. We're going to be isolationists. We're going to kind of do our own thing. And you might see that, and they take out, and they're like, look, right there, First John, right there. Don't love the world of things in the world, the world of the people, so therefore we don't love people. But the context isn't that. Here's what one theologian says in order to explain the context here. The world is presented as the evil system totally under the grip of the devil. It is the godless world, the world of emptiness and evil, the world of enmity against God. So the context is is this, the cosmos and this is the evil system that is in place today. So if we look at that again and we say, do not love the evil system that is in place today that Satan is the ruler of... That's more the context. If you look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 19, it says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world, the whole cosmos, lies in the power of the evil one. So, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. James 4, 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world, with the cosmos, is enmity against God? What does that mean? Friendship with the satanic system, with the worldly system, with the evil system that is set up against God. So that is the context of what we are looking at today. Now the question is, why is this written to us Christians? Why is John the Apostle telling us, hey listen, do not love the world or the things of the world? You know why? Because we're all tempted to love the world and the things in the world. We see things in the world, and we want those things. Now, let me ask you this. Parents, is it a sin that grocery stores put the candy way low, right? When your child is checking out, and you're there, and the, can- and the candy's just right there. And you're like, are you kidding me? You have to have that battle. Well, there's a store when I was younger... A family came over, one of my friends, and he's like, hey, Rusty, check this out. And it was this big old pack, like, you know the big thick packs that were, I mean, it was huge, of the, the red cinnamon uh, gum. And he's like, check it out. I'm like, that's awesome. He's like, let's go, but let's not chew it here. Let's head to the side of your house and we'll hide under the trailer and we'll chew it over there. And I was like, dude. Sounds great. I probably was about six, maybe 17. No, probably six. And so I get under there and we're under, the, we're under the trailer and we're sitting there like deep there and we're just eating gum, just one after the next. Have you ever just gone off on a pack of gum? Man, it feels kind of just fun. We're eating there and then I got this huge thing of gum and life is good. I don't know anything. Well, come to find out, my buddy stole that gum he saw something in the world and he said, you know what? I don't have any money. Mama won't let me buy it. So guess what? I'm just going to five-finger discount that, put it in the pocket, stole that gum. Just to be clear, I didn't steal the gum. My friend wanted something, so he stole it. We all heard of Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff here was, uh, says, quote, was an American fraudster. And financier who ran the largest Ponzi scheme in history worth about $64.8 billion. It was all a scheme. It was all a scheme. You know what? The reason why we steal, we do things wrong is because we want what this world has to offer. He ended up getting caught. Served 100, well, he was... Sentenced to 150 years in federal prison. People are willing to do whatever it takes to get what the world has to offer. And so here, God is telling us, listen, hey, Christians, listen, listen, listen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, we ought to say, okay, okay, okay. But let's, let's just make sure that we haven't fallen into this trap where we are loving the world or the things in the world. And clarify it's the satanic system of this world that is against God. Now, it clarifies it in verse 16 for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So let's go back. How did things all start? See, that's the thing is that a lot of Christians, they, they, they haven't really thought, oh, wait, how did everything start? Well, how everything started was in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, and God saw that everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. It started out, saints, amazing. And so anytime you're sharing the gospel, I said, well, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe in a God that would allow sin. You say, well, hold on. That's not how he designed it. That's not how he created it. He created it perfect without sin. But how did things go wrong? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes... And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So we break this down. Things went wrong when, one, she said, it's good for food. It's a delight to the eyes. And it's going to make me wise. That is what Eve analyzed. And she said, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm going to disobey my creator because I see something. I want it. It's good for me. My flesh is saying, give it to me. And it'll make me wise. Now look back at 1 John 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. The desires of the flesh... There's something within all of us Christians that still desires to do bad things. Now, sometimes when people come to Christ, they're so surprised, they think, wait a minute, I thought that once I became a Christian, I no longer was gonna be tempted to do sin. No, no, here's what the Bible says, is that we are all slaves to sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross, sets us free from sin. However, we haven't been totally separated from this body, our spirit is saved and it's set apart with Christ. However, we still live in this earthly tent and this earthly tent wants to pervert every good thing in your life. You name a good thing and I'll tell you a way that your flesh will want to pervert it. All of us, in our minds, we want to do good But guess what? Evil is right there. That temptation to sin is with us. Now here's the thing, saints, it will not always be with us. Praise God. When we leave this earthly tent and we're with God in heaven, we no longer will have this, what we call a flesh. But right now, our flesh desires evil. And if we look at that chapter, verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let's break one down. Let's look at the pride of life. I read this story, or this little quote. It said, uh, did you hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this line? Let me show you something several, several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. There is a tactic in car sales, and here's the tactic. What you do is a person comes on the car lot, and you go over, and you show them the amazing Four-wheel drive truck. You know, it's got BFG, KO2s, 33-inch. It's got dual turbos, 707 horsepower, Fox shocks. Got an external reservoir. And this guy's just salivating. Oh, my, wow. Are you kidding me? And then you show him the price, and you're like, yeah, it's only, it's only that. And he's like, what? You're No way. No, that's way too much. No too much. And what you do is you, you come right at his pride, and you say You know, you're right, sir. Let's head over to the cheaper trucks, ones more that you could afford. And you go over there and you say, you know, this one is a naturally aspirated V6, and it's got 194 horsepower. Man, it's even got those cool roll-up windows, and you can program six FM stations. This is probably more what you could afford, This is a sales tactic. And what happens in that man is that you have attacked his pride and he says, hold on. Go ahead and wrap up that $90,000 truck. I'll take it. All the while, the salesman's like, sucker. He suckered you. What he did is he came out your pride and he wanted you to prove to him that you could buy it. He tricked you. So here's the thing is that the pride of life is a real thing. A lot of times our enemy, he's going to use that pride. He's gonna, We're going to want to do something for good, and he's going to say, yeah, but listen, why don't you, you know, let everyone know why you got that award for the most humble person in the church. The man's pride has been dinged. And he makes the purchase. I I read another story. It goes like this The dumbest purchase I ever made was spending $5,000 on a watch. Jenkins wrote on his financial literacy literacy blog I wore two watches over the course of a year one that cost $5,000 and one that cost $79. The $5,000 watch was a Panera. I didn't know what that means. And the $79 was a diesel. I know what that means. During that year, my compliment ratio was 4 to 1 in favor of the $79 diesel watch. I never really cared that much for brand names, and it taught me that nobody else really does as well. Now I don't even wear a watch because my phone can tell time. But we do dumb things because we want to prove to other people there's a pride within us Sometimes we live beyond our means all because we want everybody else to know how awesome we are. There's a temptation. And what God is saying is this. Don't fall into the temptation as a Christian to be sucked into the pride of life. We got to be careful. We got to be careful as Christians. We don't want to be suckered. And what the Bible is telling us is, hey, listen don't love the world or the things in the world. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now if you say, well, Rusty, what are the desires of the flesh? Well, uh, the best way to do it is we're gonna take another passage to help clarify this passage. So if you have your Bibles, you could flip to Galatians chapter five, verse 16. And we wanna clarify What are the desires of the flesh? Because if you as a Christian, if the Bible is saying, hey, listen, don't partake in the desires of the flesh, your question should be, Rusty, what are the desires of the flesh? Well, as we said earlier, the flesh is a way to describe the sinful nature that's still within us that desires to do wrong. It won't be with us forever. And Christians are no longer slaves to it. But don't kid yourself. We still have it, and it still wants us to do wrong. Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 21. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now here's what we want to focus on. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so here's the thing. God is very, very clear on his expectations for us. And the reason why we know that we can meet God's expectations is because he guarantees it. He says this, submit to me, I'll take care of you. The Holy Spirit inside of us is going to equip us to be the Christian that God's called us to be. And if here, what we're saying is, wait a minute, if you're a slave to sin and you're like, I just can't do it, man. Well, then we got even a really big, big, big problem because... Now, the scripture introduces, well, then maybe you aren't saved. And you say, well, wait a minute, no, I know I've saved. No. Well, here's the thing I want there to be a little bit of tension there because we don't want anyone to leave thinking, you know what, I have an out for why I continue in sin. Because the Bible says this once you've been saved, you won't continue trying to perfect sin. Does not mean that we won't sin, but it means we won't continue perfecting sin. And that's why if someone from that world comes out here and they are living a lifestyle that is opposed to scripture and I say, listen, brother, sister, I'm so glad that you're here, but the Bible says that you have to repent of that lifestyle and you have to turn from it and you have to turn to God. And if they say, no, 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 I'm going to be here, but I'm not going to separate. And I'm going to continue in the lifestyle that the Bible says is wrong. That's what I would tell that person. Then based on what you are saying, you are not saved. Desires of the flesh can lead to horrible things. James chapter 4, 1 through 2 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that, you, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Now here's the thing. Desire can get us to do some really bad things. To illustrate this, there is a movie, and its main character is Schmiegel. Now, Schmiegel, on his birthday, was fishing with his cousin. Who is it? Does anybody know? Deagle. If you know, this is the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit series. They're sitting there, and they are fishing. And Deagle catches this huge fist and he gets jumped out of the boat and he's dragged all around. And then he sees the ring and he grabs the ring. And he brings it up and he's so excited and he shows Schmeagle, look at this ring. And Schmeagle, man, it's a wicked scene. His eyes turn and he says, hey, give me the ring. It's my birthday. Deagle says, no. Schmeagle desires the ring, he desires the ring. Deagle says, no, Schmeagel murders his cousin. Doesn't even look at him after he murders him, takes the ring, and now that's his precious, his desire. Anything, well, Rusty, that's just, that's just a funny movie. Well, here's the thing. I think there's, There's people in our past that have desired so badly to have what someone else has that they murder. That they murder. Now look at verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now right here, The Apostle John introduces forever, eternity. He starts saying, hey, listen, one who is with God will abide forever. There is eternal things to think about. God wants us to think about the forever. Because guess what? You'll be motivated today to do things that will last millions of years. Think about this. The Bible says that when someone comes to Christ, they are set free and they'll be with God forever. See, here's the trick. You talk about a salesman trying to trick someone using their pride to make a dumb purchase. Well, I guess if you have a lot of money, maybe it's not dumb. It'd be dumb for me to buy a $90,000 truck. But what the enemy wants to do is he wants people to live for today. Live for today. Seize the day. Man, just go all in today. See, God wants us to focus on forever, and the enemy says, don't think about forever. Think about today. There is a song by John Lennon called Imagine. A little bit about this song. Quote, the best-selling single of his solo career earned a Grammy Hall of Fame award and was included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. A 2002 U2 UK survey conducted by the Guinness World Records British hit Singles Book named it the second best single of all time while Rolling Stone ranked it number three in a 2004 list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Since 2005, event organizers have played the song just before the New Year's Times Square ball drop in New York City. Imagine. Let me read you this song. You might have heard this song hundreds of times. But if you talk about a song that is getting people to don't think about eternity, think about today. Live for today. Let the desires that you have be gratified today. Let's not think that there's going to be any better place than this, and let's not think there's going to be any punishment for anything that you do on earth. Listen, whatever you want, you just do it today. Listen to this song. Quote, imagine... There's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or to die for. And no religion, too. Imagine all the people living life in peace You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I am not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, and this world will be as one. Imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger, a brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I am not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. The point is enemy wants us to live for today. Don't think about heaven. Imagine there's no heaven. There is nothing better than this. This is all there is. But imagine there's no hell. No hell. Everything you do there is no consequences for. Live for today. As popular as that song is, that is the mantra of the enemy. Do what you want. And what we are seeing here in scripture is that there is a forever. Verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides Forever, The word forever is introduced in the passage and God wants to live for eternity. So the question is, does your life look more like Jesus or John Lennon? See here, let me tell you what Jesus says. We saw what John Lennon says. We saw his words of wisdom. And there's a lot of people who line up their lives with John Lennon. But here's what our God says. Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, The dwelling place of our God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear and their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's what our king says. The world says, listen, live for today. If your eyes want it, take it. If your flesh desires it, get it. The pride of life pushes people to do things. Our king says this, no. We as Christians have to live differently. Because we're living for eternity. There's a better place. And then it makes all the suffering that we have to go through on this earth, it puts it into perspective. Because God says this, this is not The only way. This is not it. This is not all there is. He's telling us, listen, there is a place and I will take you there. But there's a problem. Sin is the problem. And so what is the Christian called to do? We're called to proclaim to the world the truth of the gospel, which is this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God wants us He wants us so bad, he made a display of his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Now, we've heard that so many times. Yes, Rusty, I've heard it. But if you really think about it, you think about, wait a minute, so he died in my place so I can be with him. Why would he do that? There's lots of reasons but one, we're putting him on display. He deserves our worship and our glory, our affection. He deserves our life. And our king is telling us this, do not love the world system. Don't invest your life in the world system. What we as Christians are called to do is to invest our life in the kingdom and we tell everybody else about the kingdom. So I don't know where you are, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, it's as simple as this. It's believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Believing that Jesus Christ rose again on the third day and asking him to forgive you. You cry out to him, I'm unworthy. You beg him to save you. The Bible says this, that God draws men to himself. He'll open their eyes and you'll be born from above. It's a miracle. It is a miracle but if the Lord is tugging on your heart and you think, man, I I don't know what's going on, but I need Jesus. Man, just cry out to him. and Say, Lord, I want to do it your way. From here on out, I'm doing it your way. Now, if you're a Christian that's backslidden and you thought, man, Rusty, I've kind of gotten mixed up in the prides of, of life and the desires of the flesh and my eyes have got me into some trouble. Here's the thing, Christian, just repent. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Give me the power over that sin. You say that those that are yours will have power over sin. And Lord, I don't have any power. So I'm either freaked out that I'm not yours or something's got to change. But wherever you're at, man, respond to him. So we're going to have a time of invitation And this time, we set apart where, man, if the Lord is kind of tugging on your heart, you can come up and talk to me about baptism, about getting saved, about joining this church. Just about anything. Or if you thought, Rusty, I want to pray for our country. Man, God is doing so many great things, but I'm still concerned about a lot of stuff. Yes, come pray. And say, Rusty, you know what? I'm saved. I've been set apart. God is doing awesome things in me, but I don't know where you want me to serve. Lord, where do you want me to serve? Man, you can come up here where you're at and say, Lord, I'm ready. You just tell me what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And you'll be ready. And don't say, Lord, give me an A, B, and a C, and I'll kind of pick the one I want. No, say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. You resolve in your heart that whatever he calls you to do, you'll do it. However the Lord leads you, you come to him. If everyone will stand, we're going to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. You are so good. You are patient and you are kind. You have been so merciful to us. Lord, we mess up and you pick us back up. And we mess up and you pick us back up. You continue to love us. For Lord, let us be a neighbor that loves and is merciful, is gracious and kind when we're wronged. Father, I pray that when people think of Russellville Baptist Church, they'll say, you know what? That's where all those people who love Jesus go. Only go there if you love Jesus. Because they're all about loving the Lord, loving his word, and loving people. Lord, I pray that you would just guide us on more ministry that you want us to do here in Russellville, in Jefferson City, in California, in Eldon. Lord, guide us. What do you want us to do? We just want to do what you want us to do. So Lord, I pray that you would stir hearts. We give you all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So saying, no matter how the Lord has drawn you, you come.